John chapter 15 is where we're gonna find ourselves. John chapter 15, verses one through 11, long portion of scripture. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, you've never uh, watched online for the, uh, before, uh, kind of what we do around here, our, our flow, our jam, is to take a section of scripture and uh, we're gonna marinate in it like a good steak. Come on, somebody. Um, we're gonna marinate in it over the next few weeks. And John chapter 15, verses one through 11 uh, is, that, is that scripture. This is gonna kind of be what we call our anchor scripture. And this helps us uh, with this series that we're in. This is kind of the, uh, it's the backdrop or the backbone, whatever you want to call it, uh, for this series that we are in. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that I will produce more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here's, here's maybe the, the central reality of this scripture that we're gonna really be focusing on. Verse four, it says, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. I will highlight right now that some of the, uh, some of the sentencing of this and some of the language of this uh, presents a certain picture that might be in some of our heads. And I can already tell you right now when you unpack this scripture, which we will over the next few weeks, it is not exactly meaning what you think that it might be. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things, check this out, I love this, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Today as we begin our brand new series, Stay, I want to speak to you from the subject, don't let win destroy you. Don't let win destroy you. As we look at how our interaction with win impacts our ability to abide in Christ now. Will you pray with me just one more time as we get started? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Speak to us now. We need your voice, not my voice, not Jason's voice. We need your voice. So our ears are open, our hearts are soft, our minds are ready to receive what it is that you have for us today. And so we love you, we worship you, we give you this time together in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, amen and an amen. Um, my kids are horrible at win. That's the bottom line, my kids are horrible at win. And if I'm honest, it's not something that was produced in them uh, as children on their own, if I'm very honest with you, like brutally honest, my kids are bad with wind because their dad is bad with wind. My kids are bad with wind because their mom is bad with wind. Shout out to my wife right now. Okay, so she can't hurt me right now. <laughs> and I think if we're honest, we're all bad with, with wind. The idea of, of wind. I think it happens because we are people of impatience. We are people who desire what we want, how we want it right now. The minute I think about it, I, I want it now. And, and that tends to be our generation, even right now. The funny thing about talking about this subject matter is that you're able to tune in to this service whenever you want. 
That's the, that's the mind-boggling reality that we are sitting in right now. And I think more so than ever, this generation struggles with when. When? When will this end? When will things go back to normal? When will things change? When will I get married? When will she change? When will he change? When will things work out for me? When will I get that promotion? When will my job come back? When will I feel again? When will I know? When will I beat this? When? 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 And here's the problem with when. It disrupts and disorients our now. And now can actually be the most powerful moment of our lives if we allow it to be, especially in our walk with Jesus. When we focus on when, we lose our ability to abide and we lose our ability to stay. Now, come on, you gotta stay with me in this message because we're gonna talk about some things that are super important for us to understand. This is an issue that we all face. I am not preaching from a pulpit of perfection today. I struggle with when. When? Now, before we go any further, we need to understand the backdrop of this piece of scripture that we're gonna be anchoring in for the next few weeks. We call this context, all right? Understand a little bit more about John 15. It is known as a mashal, all right, a mashal. Um, here's the academic meaning to this beautiful word. A mashal is a powerful, symbolic, or figurative vehicle for communicating an extended, parabolic manner an important message concerning Jesus. But it's not a parable. Jesus would speak in parables, stories, illustrations, much like I just used about my kids. That'd be an illustration or a parable. A mashal is something a little bit different. It is an illustration of truth that Jesus is wanting us to grab a hold of, all right? There are two very important mashals found in John, one in John chapter 10 and one in chapter 15, which we are anchoring in over the next few weeks. The purpose of this particular mashal is to create an illustration in order to help us understand and grasp the importance of staying connected to Jesus. Now, this is super important for us because as we read some of the languaging in John chapter 15, our minds might start to wander to certain realities that we're actually not allowed to capture in this mashal. We'll explain that over the next few weeks, but there's certain, there's certain ideas, especially when we read about branches being thrown into the fire, some of us can go some places with that idea and think that he's talking about something that he's actually not talking about in this particular piece of scripture. He's using a gardening illustration. One that the primary focus of this illustration, the primary focus of John chapter 15 is to help us understand one very important truth. What does it look like to abide in Christ? What does it look like to stay? What does it look like to be a branch connected to a vine? Now think about this. You're a branch. I didn't know if you knew you would be told that today. But you're a branch. I'm a branch. We all branches. Right? Hashtag branch people. Okay. Jesus uses the picture of a vine and its branches to help illustrate this particular mashal, a picture that in fact would be very relevant to his audience as they understood this idea of a vine and branches because of their region and the topographical 
location that they found themselves in. So what does it mean to abide? Now, we're not going to be able to unpack all of this today. We're not going to be able to work through the, the, the totality of this idea, which is a massive, massive thought process for us to work through. But we're going to unpack it over the next few weeks from different angles. But what does it mean to abide? This is a very important question and one that needs clarity because many of us, once again, have a picture of what it means to abide, what it means to stay. For a lot of us right now, we were even tricked into this message because when we look at the, the, the idea of stay, we think, oh, wow, rest. Oh, we're going to do a series on rest. Yes, so good. They lightened up the colors. It's no longer red. Right? We're going to rest. We're going to chill out for a moment. But that's a very, very small portion of what it means to abide. That's actually not the greatest understanding that we have. I want you to listen just to the Merriam-Webster definition of abide. Think about this. This is, this is Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Because definitions are important. How many of you would agree with me that understanding the meaning or understanding the truth of a word actually brings clarity. A lot of us have assumptions about things, but we cannot assume our way through scripture. We have to look at some stuff. So this is what uh, the word abide means, just in our English language. To bear patiently, tolerate, to endure without yielding. How many of you right there, you're just like, no, nope, don't like this word anymore. Stop the stay, let's go back to red. Right? To withstand to wait for, to await, to accept without objection. <laughs> to remain stable or in a fixed state, to continue in a place, to sojourn with, to conform, or to accept without objection, <laughs> to abide. How many of you know just listening to that definition right there, we're talking more than just rest. This is actually, many ways, the complete opposite of rest. Now, do we find rest in Jesus? Absolutely, 100%. Matthew chapter 11 would tell us that. But to abide in Christ is so much more. To abide is to be in a state of constant union, one that is seen in personal conformity and submission, to have one's identities, cares, concerns, growth, vision, thoughts, feelings, to be created by and sustained by the defining truth of connection to Jesus. To stay, stay with you, I'll never walk away. It's the only way I know how to do it, 80s falsetto, come on, long hair bands. So we're going to explore this idea of abiding more in depth over the next few weeks and look at it from a few different angles, but today I want to just kind of come at it from this idea is our interaction with when, how when impacts our ability to abide in Christ now to find ourselves anchored to and tethered with Christ in such a way that wind does not become a strong wind that causes us to drift and find oneself disappointed. Come on, have you ever been blown by the wind of wind? <laughs> Come on, if you're online today, let us know in the comment section. Have you ever been blown to the left and to the right, been held back by by the wind of when. The problem with when is that it causes us to leave the position of stay. Come on, I'm gonna get fired up in this message right now. <laughs> the problem with when is it causes us to leave the position of 
stay, which means to abide in Christ. The interesting thing about when is that it's not just about the future. Listen to me right now. It's not just about the future. It can be in reference to the past as well. I remember when. I want you to see this because for some of us we think, oh, I'm not, t- I'm not caring too much about the win of the future. Yeah, but you might be focusing on the win of the past and you're stuck because you don't know how to abide right now. You don't know how to stay right now. Do not let win destroy you. And I found that we can long for both the wins of life. Win of the future, the win of the past, both of which will hijack our ability to stay now. Now, I'm not saying that we're not future-minded. We, we have to be future-minded, but there's a difference between being future-minded and win-attracted. And we're gonna explore these ideas through this series. Here's the truth. If we're not careful, wind can destroy us. Wind can distract us. Wind can confuse us. And wind will cause us to disconnect To abide in Christ is to stay, and to stay is to know the power of his work in us as a connected branch to the vine of grace and power for our lives. Is anybody thankful for Jesus, the vine in our lives? So let's get practical. I I love practical. Let's dance with this a little bit. Uh, No pun intended, but thank you to Megan. You did a beautiful job uh, hanging with us. And man, what a a powerful moment. And And I couldn't help but get like just emotional right there as I'm watching her do this dance because the picture that's being created is what does it look like to stay? And all this activity, come on, have you felt like that before? You got all this interactivity going, all this mental activity going, all this emotional activity going, and it's all attaching itself to when. When is this gonna end? When can we go back to normal? When, 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 when. Win, 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 win. And you feel like that on the inside. Can I tell you, stay. Stay. So let's get practical then. What does it mean for us right now in this moment? How do I not let win destroy me? Especially in the season that we're in right now. And so I want to look at three thoughts um, that have been helping me. Um, this message is not just some message that I decided to write down one day, this is a message that I've been grappling with internally as well. Because I'm not, be, like I just said, our family, the Parrish family, is bad with wind. It's just what it is. We're aggressive people, we're forward thinking people. When I'm being locked up in my house right now is a no-no. <laughs> when? <laughs> so three thoughts that will help us deal with the issue of when. Here's the first one I want us to, I want us to hear today. These are going to be very simple. Realize that we do not have power over tomorrow. (laughs) We have to realize that we do not have power. Come on, right here. Realize that we do not have power over tomorrow. Because I know how some of us work. I know how our minds are working. You're like, oh, that's a good statement, but we kind of do. No, 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 you kind of don't. I kind of don't. We do not have power over tomorrow. Listen to James 4. We've read this before at church. James 4 verse 13 through 15 says this, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
There's no possible way what your life will be for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. See, many of us about six weeks ago believed that we had power over our tomorrow and then all of a sudden we were interrupted with a stay safe, stay home order. Telling you and me that we don't actually have power over our tomorrow. See, many of us believed that we had power over our course, power over our career, power over our education, and now many of us are grappling right now. We are drowning in the idea that we do not have power. Can I just set you free this morning? Lean into the idea that you do not have power over tomorrow and lean into the understanding that he is the vine, I am the branches, and when I stay, that is where I receive my power from. So we gotta realize, like, if we're gonna deal with this issue of when, we have to realize that we do not have power over tomorrow. Jesus doubles down on this. He's like, James, I take your thought and I raise it 100. Matthew chapter six, 31 through 34. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Verse 34, watch what he says. Therefore, because of that truth, because of that reality, he says, therefore, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. What? Don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't you love it when Jesus throws a zinger in there and he's like, ha! How about them apples, right? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. And then he even doubles down on that thought. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Jesus, Caleb moment. What is he saying? He says, listen, tomorrow has its trouble. When, if you're not careful, when will destroy you? And one of the reasons that when destroys us is because we believe that we have power over it. Freeing, isn't it? One of the reasons that we disconnect from Jesus, that I do not abide in Christ, is because I'm under the assumption that I have power over tomorrow. And when we live under this assumption, we act and do accordingly. This typically looks like insane amounts of work, insane amounts of worry, insane amounts of fear and anxiety. When we are controlled by when, oh, let's just go deep for a second. Can you, can you track with me right now? When we believe And when we are controlled by when, we tend to exhibit narcissistic traits as we domineer and manipulate things in order to make sure that we get our way according to our perceived and desired when. I'm going to get when the way I want when and nothing is gonna stand in my way. Am I talking to somebody today? So we try to to grab a hold of it. We try to, "Ah, I'm gonna grab a hold of it. Tight. I'm gonna white knuckle it through life. But when I realize that I do not have power over tomorrow, it sets me free. See, the sooner we become aware of of the idea that we do not have control over tomorrow, the sooner and more able we are to abide as a branch in the vine of God's goodness and grace and power and provision. Listen to this, our ability to abide creates the avenue for us to receive. Let's say it another way, it's gonna pop up on the screen right here, okay? Connection is the conduit for reception. Connection is the conduit 
for reception. It is not my willpower. It is not my ability to manipulate or domineer. It is not my ability to, uh, with the assumption that I have control over tomorrow. Uh Uh-uh. Connection is the conduit for reception. And for many of us, we struggle with the idea of receiving from God. And please hear me. I'm not talking about stuff and things right now. I'm not talking about the prayers for a new car or a new home or a new job. I'm not talking about stuff and things right now. What I'm dealing with is the connection that we need to have in Christ to receive the things that we deeply long for and we deeply need in this life. Things like peace and joy and spirit, power and hope and love. The things that actually endure when everything is burnt up and everything is taken away. The things that actually stand the test of time. The things that when I am anchored as a branch in the vine and I'm staying put, I'm abiding, those are the things that I need for my life. Those are the things that I need for my life. And the problem is that we think that we can behave our way to these things. When that is the furthest thing from the truth, here's the truth we need to understand today. We do not behave our way to these things. We belong our way to these things. Let me say that one more time. Some of us are trying to strong arm everything and if I do this right and if I read my Bible for four hours a day because I'm in quarantine and that's all I can do right now or I worship more or I pray more or I'm a good person or I help people across the street or I do this and I live a generically good life. I can behave my way to being a branch. I can behave my way to getting the things from God that I need. You do not behave your way to anything. You belong your way into it. A branch that is connected to the vine Receives the sustaining source of life that is needed. First Corinthians three, verse twenty-two says, "Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you." See, abiding is about being. It's about belonging to and being found in Christ, the true vine. So the first truth that we need to anchor our lives with today is this, is that we have to realize we do not have power over tomorrow. And when we realize that, we can let go of the wind and we can stay. Right now, in this moment, we can stay. I can abide in Christ. Here's the second truth that we need to anchor ourselves in today. Number two is that we realize that what I need is not found in what I want. What I need is not found in what I want. This is gonna mess with some of our heads because I've noticed, maybe you've noticed, at least personally for me, okay, that my win is closely connected to my want. Come on, somebody. That my win is closely connected to the things that I desire seemingly more than anything. But watch, watch Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Long piece of scripture. I just want us to know this is not my opinion. This is what the Bible's teaching us. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This is Paul writing. And he says, I pray that he, so this is his prayer over some people that he loves dearly. And watch what he says. He says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know, oh man, I love that, and to know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And now to him, Paul needs us to know how this is possible. Well, it's possible because him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, all that I want that's connected to win, he's able to do above that, beyond that, according to the power that works in us, that is the spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ, to all generations forever and ever, amen. See, what I, I need to realize is that what I need is not found in what I want. And too often we make statements like this, when I have that job, when I get that promotion, when I lose that weight, when I get that degree, when I have that relationship, when COVID ends, <laughs> come on, fill in the blanks. See, your win is attached to your want, and our want, I've come to find us, tricks us many times into what we believe is important. So we think when I get that job, then people will respect me. When I have that relationship, then I'll be fulfilled. Oh, I'm messing with the singles today, come on. <laughs> when I have that degree, then my dad will be proud of me. When I receive that promotion, then all the other people will look up to me. When I have, then, you see, our win is attached to our want, and our want tricks us so many times because what we want is not what we really need. See, too often we place our dependence in win rather than in Christ. Staying, abiding is about allowing ourselves to find our dependence upon God. And we do not like this because we are independent. Right? I'm an independent woman. I'm not. You may be. I'm an independent man. <laughs> right? We like our independence. Our nation was built on independence. I mean, if it's struggling right now because there's something inside of us as, we've, as we're trying to stay. <laughs> See, this is what's counterintuitive so many times. We do not know how to wrap our mind around the idea of stay because independence is seen as our highest position in life. So Jesus says, stay, be a branch in the vine. You're like, nah, uh-uh, be my own tree. Hey, Jesus, how about I be the vine, you be the branch? That's how many of us operate. I'll be the vine, you'll be this attachment to me. I don't attach to you, you, you attach to me. I'll tell people on Facebook that I'm a Christian. Come on, somebody. That all of a sudden, Jesus is the attaching branch, and we are the vine, and somehow we believe that we have the power source to give Jesus, what, so we tell him what he should do, and we tell him how our wins should be, and we throw up these prayers and say, God, if you would do this on my timing, it'd be great, but if you don't, I'm gonna throw a temper tantrum right now because I didn't get what I want attaching to my win, and my win's important to me. Don't you know my win is important to me? And he's like, yeah, I know that your win is important, but you got this backwards. You the branch, 
Eye of the barn. Let's get this straight, right? I said this in my house the other day. I'm the dad, you're the kid. Come on, somebody, and all the parents shouted. <laughs> See, many of us, we get our roles mixed up. When we are in him, when we are dependent upon him. Listen to this. Dependence is the path to power. See, so often we're lulled into the idea that, that independence is our greatest source of strength and power. It's a very American way to think. See, our power is not found in who we are. Our power is not found in what we are, what we have or what we can do. Our power is actually found when we can admit that we are weak and dependent upon the exceeding greatness of God. Notice Paul says, according to him who is able to do far more, far greater, exceedingly and abundantly above what I could, above what I could ever think about. Now, this is hard for an A-type, Enneagram 8, D on the disc test type of person. That's me, baby. Now, by the grace of God, he paired me up with almost the same exact person. We are raging lunatics in my home. Two drivers, two Enneagram mates. I'm surprised our house has not been lit on fire yet. Right? And Eric and I, man, we, we want wins so bad. And I got, I got to face this thing, this issue that we're facing, this stay, stay, stay. And I'm like, no, 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 let me go, let me go, God, let me go. Stay, Jason. No, no, let me go, let me go, let me go. We struggle so hard with this. See, dependence is my only option. It is our only option because what I need is not found in my win, it's found in him. It's not found in my win, it's found in him. Here's the third and final truth that we need to understand today. I have to realize that as I stay, I am satisfied. When I stay, I am satisfied. Writer Philip Holmes, in his article for Desiring God, put it like this, at the root of our dissatisfaction, listen to this, it's powerful, powerful language. At the root of our dissatisfaction is a never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy. And the Bible is full of all these glorious promises, promises that are given as we are ravaged by the discontentment and tempted to find our satisfaction in when. This is ultimately what's driving us so hard towards when is that I'm not satisfied with now. And I'm sure not satisfied with staying because I ask the questions, well, if I stay and I'm, I'm abiding, I, like I'm being, I'm being in this, this submitted position for about one and a half seconds, we think, and then God should perform. And he's, he's not saying that. He, he's not saying, he's not giving a timeline. He's not giving anything like that. He's simply saying, connect to me as a branch to the vine. I need you to stay. I need you to abide. I need you to not worry about your win. I need you to not worry about the details of your win. And the problem is, is that so many of 
us desire the win so hard because we are not satisfied in our now. We are not satisfied in Jesus. I am not satisfied in myself. I am not satisfied in my relationships. I am not satisfied in my money. I am not satisfied in my job. I am not satisfied in the world. I am not satisfied in the mall. I am not satisfied by my clothes. I am not satisfied by my status. I'm not satisfied by my popularity. I'm not satisfied by my followers. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. So I long for a win that will never bring satisfaction. Because only he satisfies. That's not a pithy statement of just faith. That's not a blind statement of allegiance that I have towards Jesus. It is the raw truth from a man that if I look at my surroundings and I look at my stuff and I look at my things, if I'm honest, I find myself more dissatisfied. And if I come to the place where I realize that everything like the writer of Ecclesiastes would say that everything is vain, that everything does not matter, that at the end of the day, it's all burnt up in a moment, then where and how will I ever be satisfied? Herman Bavnik helps us out with this truth when he says this, God and God alone is man's highest good. God is the source and the sustainer of all good. He and he alone is the abundant fountain of all goods. That's just two guys speaking about satisfaction. Watch what the Bible says. John chapter six, verse 35. I'm the bread of life. Jesus told them, No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one believes in me who believes in me will ever be thirsty. Again, Psalm 107 verse nine says this, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 22 verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Psalm 16 verse 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. To be satisfied is to stay. When we are in what feels like abandoned moments. Come on, right now. As Pastor Andrew was saying earlier, maybe you're doing church right now with us online and you're by yourself. You have no family around you, no friends around you. Job's taking a turn. You're afraid. And it's starting to swell up in in us and you're sitting there and you're anxious and you're fear-ridden and you're wanting to control things and so it's making you somebody that you don't want to be because you are needing win. I just need my win. I just need this to end so I can get to win because this win is not doing it for me. 
And so you're stuck in this tension, this pull between the wind of then and the wind of then. And you do not know how to cope in this moment and nothing satisfies you. Food does not feel the way that it once did. Beauty does not look the way that it once did. Everything seems bleak. Everything seems shallow. Everything seems like it will not fill you up and you're right. Because at the end of the day, the feeling that we need, the satisfaction that we need is only found in the vine. It's only found in the vine. To be satisfied is to stay. And when we are in what feels like abandoned moments, we're tempted to rely on when. Can I just tell you right now, abide, connect, secure, attach, adhere. Because when will never give what the vine offers us as we stay. And my prayer today is that we would be the type of people who can learn to stay. Because he will. He will never leave. He will never forsake. He will always be the vine that I attach to. In Jesus' name.